On this episode of Pass the Corn and Geek Out Loud, it is November, and my brother from another mother joins me to talk about the movies of November. This is Geek Out Loud. Again, everyone, and welcome to the Geek Out Loud podcast and a very special November Pass the Corn episode with not only me, but my brother from another mother whose music I don't have queued up, Eric Schoenweis. Greetings, my friend. Long time no talk. I was playing your Indiana Jones music because I didn't have it queued up properly. Hey, just that Justice League music. I mean, yeah. look, we're on a podcast, so you can't see me, but I just sit here fist pumping <laughs> through the whole thing. It just it's gets a me cool so mix. Pumped. It is a cool so mix. So excited. I love it. I was glad to have been able to find it. I, you know, th- it came from Cartoon Network um, back in the day when they were showing Super Friends uh, reruns. They had this dude mix this thing together. I saw an interview with the guy who did it at one point. And um and I was so glad to be able to find it. They I found it at Superman homepage years ago, and I'm like, this is going to be my intro. And I've and I have talked to people about um I, I have talked to people about uh you know changing the theme up, and everyone's like, no, no don't do it, don't do it. So in, in, in the immortal words of two Skywalkers, no. no. <laughs> Oh, you had me at a Star Wars reference, Eric. Eric, you had me at a Star Wars reference. I got to tell you, I love Star Wars. I'm just going to say it straight up. I, I, I am, I am kind of. I don't know why I feel like I've been hip deep in it lately. Maybe because of the Rogue One, but also because because we're getting all pumped for Rogue One. I really am getting pumped for Rogue One. And um, by the way, everyone, as you're listening to this, I hope you're grabbing your uh, your copy of Star Wars Catalyst. Um, a Rogue One story. It's going to hit new. St- it's going to hit bookshelves Tuesday, right, Irish? Yep, Tuesday, November fifteenth. So, I hope the, the the new novel from James Luceno. Look, it's not going to spoil Rogue One for you, but this book is a must read or must listen to on audio before you go see Rogue One. Trust me, you will be glad you read or listened to it before you see the movie, and. You know, Rogue One is great on its own, but this is just enhances it. It lays a beautiful foundation for this awesome movie that we're going to see in December. I really, I'm telling you something. Someone asked me. Uh, oh, I was with uh, Riley Blant the other day on his Star Wars Tonight show, and 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 he kind of brought up that he seemed. It seems like there's not that much hype for this movie, and and I told him, you know, and my point was, there, I don't think we're going to see the hype machine ever like we did with episode seven you know the force awakens was kind of disney's hello to the world look what we can do 
And and I think that I think that everything is going to pale in comparison to that. But I also think that there's an intention in trying to separate what this is from the enumerated films. But it, I told Riley, I'm like, I I think I'm, I think I'm just, I'm almost more excited in a different way for Rogue One, and it really comes down to the visuals. You know, uh, someone had said to me, you know, the the cinematography so different from what Lucas did, and I'm like. Yeah, maybe the cinematography is, but the visuals are spot on Star Wars, mm-hmm. and um, and and I'm just I really every time I watch a trailer, and there was that new. Have you seen that Japanese trailer that came out today? I have not. It has. I, I, I've I've heard some bits about it. It's. I mean, it's 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 basically the last trailer that we got with like one or two things of dialogue added in and a, and an extra shot here or there like we see Mm -hmm. jen's mother um jen has a crystal around her neck which i'm i'm just going to tell you i assume is a kyber crystal um and uh there's a there's a new shot of vader that's very very quick like half a second but it's it he's he he appears to be in the room where he was you know walking with purpose toward krennic uh in the steam um you know like i told you to flush that kind of thing (laughs) <laughs> and um, <laughs> and uh, it just it looks I I don't know I'm really stoked and and Michael Giacchino doing the music, um, he's he, I've always kind of felt like Giacchino is the heir apparent to John Williams. He is able to capture the the style of John Williams in a way that you know I don't think any other modern composer's really quite been able to and. So I don't. How do we get on this? Oh, because I'm loving Star Wars so much. I love Star. You made a Star Wars. That's your fault. You made a Star Wars reference. Well, I, look. I, I, first off, Riley clearly doesn't have TV because <laughs> I, I'm seeing a Rogue One commercial. There's a Rogue One the car commercial. There's a Rogue One battery commercial. There are just commercials for the movie oh, itself. I love I'm that. seeing Rogue One like every day on TV. I love that battery so, commercial. Uh, the which one? The, the battery commercial yeah, with the kids the, in the hospital. Yes. It is brilliant. Mm-hmm. So, so good. What a brilliant, smart idea. It's so well done. Well, they did the uh, same thing. Wasn't it a battery commercial last year with The Force Awakens where the kids are playing? And um, Yes. Oh. Yeah, the, the boy and the, girl, the yeah. brother and sister. I love that Star one, too. But the, in the backyard. Yeah. But, the, but the children's hospital, just it really just kind of... Tugs on There's your just strength. a real heart to it yep. that like just it gets you right here, yep. Steve. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm just I'm seeing Rogue One stuff all over the place. Do you? So, you maybe that's just because I'm tuned into it, you know. Mm-hmm. And Riley's not a Star Wars fan. Maybe so he's not, but maybe. Um, by the way, kid, a uh, kid, Riley. I also want to say this. I also want to say this. Um, Sad mentioned the Tie Striker in a in a comment here in the. Uh, I call him sad because his his uh his screen name is S underscore A underscore D. Um but sad. Uh, sad, yeah. Um but he mentions the tie striker and I was talking to Shaz Bazaar from Techno Retro Dads the other day, and he said, You know the tie striker is just the Jedi Starfighter. Hmm. So I was like, All right, you're exactly right. This is the natural progression from the Jedi Starfighter to this model of, of ship because it's got the flat wings out on the side with the cockpit right in the middle. And it and it's a yeah. it's similar shape. I'm down. I I completely love that. 
that concept. The concept. Look, I love any like anything with tie in it. So, what is your uh, favorite tie? Uh, the interceptor. Yeah. Oh my. Actually, God. no, no. I am a tie bomber fan. Those look really just because, cool. Just because it's such like a rarely seen tie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know. And there's just something about it. I just ever since Empire, you know, where it's going through the asteroid field, dropping the bombs, I've just thought they were so cool. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm on board. I like that tie interceptor. It when I see one, it's like the Corvette of mm-hmm. Tie Fighters. Yep, yep. I'm, I'm, I'm on board with that. Um, <clears throat> man, Star Wars is great. But uh, the, okay, here's here's another reason why I'm kind of hip deep in Star Wars right now. And I gave him a shout out on the last episode. I'll do it again. David Lormeyer, um, I can't. I shouldn't even tell you this. David Lormeyer reached out to me. He had some doubles of some trading cards he wanted to send me. <laughs> he just wanted to send them to you, not trade with you. Right. I just offered to, just yeah. just gift them to you. Right. And so he sent me a box with a few. You know, it had a few different sets in it. Helped me fill in some holes and everything. And it was. You know, just some cool stuff from most. There were some old Return of the Jedi cards, but it was mostly some of the newer stuff. And 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 look, I was it was great. It helped me complete a complete a set here or there. And uh, and so I shot him a thank you. And he's like, Hey, I found some more. If you need them, I'm like, Okay, great, thanks. And um and I and he's like, Just get me the numbers you need on this particular set. I'm like, Okay, cool. I'll shoot it. I'll shoot you that. Let me let me get to them, and I'll and I'll shoot you that. Well, the very next day. On my doorstep, there are two heavy boxes. And Erish, in this box, in these boxes, there are Star Trek cards, um, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves trading cards, and everything else, I think. Uh, oh, Batman, like a butt ton of Batman and Batman Returns cards. Um, well, that's why they were so heavy, because there was a butt ton. Uh, there was a bat ton, if you will. Um, a, bu- a bat butt ton. But also... Uh, the Wide Vision uh, Star Wars Special Edition cards, Wide Vision uh, Phantom Menace cards, Wide Vision Attack of the Clones, regular Attack of the Clones, Wide Vision Revenge of the Sith, regular Revenge of the Sith, just tons and tons of cards that, like, I don't know when I'm going to have time to go through them all. But just looking through some of these is taking me right back into the whole Star Wars thing. You know, there's always something that'll just kind of suck you in and get you focused in on, on the wars. And um, and I and, and I've just been kind of going through these and looking at the pictures. And now I'm like, I, I and then I want to turn on Star Wars and watch it. And then the other day I was listening to, uh, I'll give them a shout out, Star Wars Oxygen with Jimmy Mack and David Collins, and they were talking about just the the end credits um, track on on the Revenge of the Sith soundtrack. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I love this so much, and I've got to go watch Revenge of the Sith now. And uh, I've just I. I I'm just saying I love Star Wars, Eric. I guess I say all that to say I love Star Wars, and it's your fault for even bringing it up. Well, and the 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 Robin Hood Prince of Thieves cards. Yes. Is it going to inspire you to go back and start doing your Robin Hood podcast, Two Arrows, again? That's right. <laughs> you know it's true. <laughs> Everything, Everything I, I do, do, I do it for you. Yeah. So just a big shout out, David. He didn't have to do all that, and I greatly, greatly appreciate it. And um, so, so kind of him. And um, and Eric, yeah, none, none of us have to send Steve anything. And you notice I did say us there because mm-hmm. I'm guilty here as well. But there's just 
there's a there's a certain gratification in it because you are so appreciative of it, and it's just like we know that whatever item it is that we're sending to you, whatever butt ton of stuff that we send you, <laughs> it's going to a home where it's going to be loved. Yeah. Well, listen, there's something I can't wait to talk to you about that we're going to have to talk about off mic because I do have a question. And okay. <laughs> but yeah, I, I just I'm so excited and like to the point that I had to buy pages for like the the binders, you know, that you put your cards in. Yeah, I had yeah, to track. I had yep. to track down some for those wide vision style cards. And uh, and just ah. and and bought some, and those came in today. So I'm going to start sorting. I can't wait. I'm so looking forward to it. I love sorting cards, man. Trading cards. It's just it's so and to get them stuck in the binder and and then to be able to just flip those pages and look at them. It's some of my favorite stuff in the world. But anyhow, nice. we're not here to talk about trading cards. We're here to talk about movies. So movies. Uh, so let's movies. Pa- so let's- so like the last couple weeks. Mm-hmm. I've finally been able to catch up on some of the big summer flicks. Here, so am I, I not going to get to bring on. us in? Am I not going to get to bring us in and pass the corn? Oh, uh, all right. I mean, I thought we, I thought you didn't have the music. No, I had that music. Oh, you I didn't did... have my theme music. All right, yeah. Yeah, please, yeah. Please, I'm ready please. with pass the corn music. What you talking yes. about? Pass it, pass it. the core all right now <laughs> i was feeling like mick foley there for a minute you know i got my cactus jack music i got okay. my mankind music <laughs> this is past the corn this is the past the corn music hey irish <laughs> pass the corn pass, steve pass the corn bra pass, pass the corn pass the corn here we I go i actually got i got a great twitter shout out from uh at mediocre jedi the other day he was uh he was at home with the son there watching the Muppet movie, and they uh, sitting on their couch, and he took a picture of them with a little bucket of corn between them and, you know, just sent it to me with a pass the corn nice. on it. And nice. I was just like, oh, that's beautiful. I love nice. it. That's awesome. Um, so, so what, what have you seen? Was, yeah, I was able to catch up. So I finally got around to seeing Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. Finally got around to seeing the new Star Trek movie. Mm-hmm. And finally got around to seeing X-Men Apocalypse. All right. Well, let me do this. I know that you were looking forward to The Reacher. Yes. How, yeah, I did go to see the new Jack Reacher movie, too. And, and, and I got to say, I was really disappointed. That's a, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, that's unfortunate. Uh, it, was just, it was just, it was boring. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And the book was so good. It just... It wasn't a bad movie, but that first movie had just this raw energy mm-hmm. to it that this movie was sorely lacking. Yeah. And they took a really fantastic book and made some changes to it that I thought didn't work as well in the movie. Okay. So All right. I was I was a little disappointed with that. But I got to say, like, X-Men Apocalypse, I really dug that. Right. It was good. I wasn't crazy about Apocalypse, but like everything else in the movie, I really liked. Yeah, yeah, it was a lot better than I thought it would be. That's that. That was the movie. I think that movie was my surprise this year. The the movie that surprised me the most this year because I really was expecting, you know, the same old sanctimonious platitudes and 
kind of you know the 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 X Men series in the comics and and in the movies tends to take itself sometimes very seriously, mm-hmm. and um and I was expecting some of that action, and then with some of the destruction and stuff that we saw in the trailer, I'm like, oh, this same old crap again. But I really came away enjoying having you know enjoying the movie more than I thought I would. Maybe it was because of my lowered expectations, but but I'm with you. I I, I liked it a lot better than I thought I would. Well, and because of Days of Future Past, it, it, this one kind of allowed them to to sort of reboot the franchise a yeah. little bit. Yep. Um, you know because because following up on First Class and Days of Future Past, you know we've got. We've got the Xavier School where he's teaching all the young mutants. This one introduces young Jean Grey, young Scott Summers, uh, Nightcrawler. So we're starting to assemble some of that classic core X-Men cast again that we saw in the original X-Men movies, mm-hmm. but with older actors. Right. So you kind of they're kind of resetting things to tell more stories going forward, but also... Like, you know, there was some bits of fan service in there, uh, a certain scene with our snickety-snicked friend that I don't really want to spoil for people who haven't seen it yet. But Well, they spoiled it in was... the trailers. Oh, did they? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I don't remember the trailers, but mm-hmm. basically it's, you know, the Weapon X Wolverine. Um, which I thought was, I was like, I'm like, oh yes, and he's wearing the outfit from the comics. <laughs> straight up, like, I mean, he was straight up pure Weapon X. Yeah, even though none of the stuff he was wearing made any sense, Mm-mm. it was just exciting <laughs> if you were a fan of the comics yeah. to see it. Um, you know, the end of the movie with Jean Grey, there was a bit of fan service stuff there mm-hmm. with her big moment, but I was still really excited to yeah. see it. Um, I loved all the quick, like anything, any of the scenes with Quicksilver in, absolutely loved them. Um, I thought that they're doing. They did a really good job of expanding his character from the previous movie. Um, it was there was a lot of fun stuff, a lot of cool stuff to look at, you know. And Oscar Isaac, when I first saw the trailers, I'm like, oh, they're just wasting him under all that blue makeup and stuff. But he actually delivered a solid performance. I agree. I agree. It, yeah. It was just kind of the powers of his character that I'm just—it's eh, like, oh my, he's just like a godlike character. Right. It's right. Like, and I guess Apocalypse in the comics was, wasn't he? Yeah, I think so, but I don't know. It just didn't work quite as well for me on the screen. Uh, yeah, I agree. You know, when they get too powerful, mm-hmm. then it, you know it makes it harder for our heroes to 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 beat them in the end and stuff. But yeah, I liked it. I loved the stuff with Magneto. Um, was really cool, especially his scenes early in the movie. What what I dug so much about the Magneto stuff is that you totally understand the decision he makes. Mm-hmm. And then when Charles gives him the opportunity to make the right decision, he intentionally chooses the wrong way. And it's like, I understand why he... It's like, it, it was... To me, it's one of the best jobs that the, one of these movies have done of making a sympathetic bad guy still the bad guy. Even right. though you've got sympathy, he's still the bad guy. And, and I thought that they danced that line perfectly. Yep. And I loved, I loved what they did with Mystique. And yep. Mystique revealing herself at the end of Days of Future Past to the whole world. And that being, that being this, 
this moment of inspiration for the young mutants in this movie, I thought was really smart, really cool. It added another element to her character. It added some heart to the movie. I really dug that. I thought that was really, really smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was like I say, I was, I was pretty taken with it more than I thought I would be, and I need to revisit it. I hadn't, I hadn't watched it since I went and saw it this summer. Um, you also saw Star Trek Into Darkness. Yeah. Um, better than the second one, not as good as the first one. I tell you what, I'm a sucker for for a moment in a movie when... I, I, I feel like it's an 80s movie trope when there's something that's kind of dropped in early on and then it swings around and it's the answer to everything. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and they do that in this movie and they do it with you know, the Beastie Boy song that he was listening to in the first one. And I'm like, okay, I'm on board with this. I, my friend Derek, and listeners of the show know Derek of Steric, um, he, you know, he loved it. And he said, because they don't win, they keep losing, they keep losing. And when they finally do get a win, it's a big deal. And, and you're really on board with it. And, um, I mean, this was as much fun for me as, you know, some of the old Trek movies were. Um, I liked it a lot better than I liked the second one. I thought that they got, they got the one thing that I thought was really lacking in the second one was the individual characters, mm-hmm. and that was the one thing that the first one did great. Kirk was Kirk, yeah. McCoy was McCoy, Spock was Spock. Like they were the characters that we've grown to love over, you know, thirty, forty years, however long it's been. And in the second movie, they got away from that and they became the cliches that we had come mm-hmm. to to start seeing, especially at the end of the run of like the original series films and right, stuff, you right. know, the, the McCoy, I'm a doctor, not of this Jim. And just like, that's all he says all the time. So with this one, I felt like they got back to what the first one did so well with the characters being they're They're not just the cliches. Like they actually have some agency and stuff. And, and I appreciated that. I was just a little, I was a little let down. I, I wasn't crazy about the villain. Like I just, I wanted a better villain and the twist with him was cool, but I still like leading up to that. I still wanted a better villain. Eh, he reminded me of every star Trek villain we've ever had. Well, and maybe that's my issue with Trek is that outside of Khan and the Borg, like I'm just not really crazy about their villains. Right. Well, it's always someone who was, who either needs to learn a social lesson or they've been ousted by the Federation before, and it's like, okay, yeah. all right, we get it, thank you. And thank- I didn't like the 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 current music in the movie. Oh, really? You know, or or sorry, as they called it, is this classical music? Right. I didn't like I didn't like sabotage in it. I didn't like the other song. Oh, uh, it was uh, N.W.A. I think was the other song right. that they used in it. It just felt forced. You know, I just, I, I didn't dig on that. Had had we not had him listening to it in the car in, in the first movie, I would probably say, yeah, I, I may agree with you, but, you know, it's a, it's a new day, and uh, it's a new track. I dug it. I really did. I thought it was, I, I did like that moment. Um, I liked it as a callback, and I liked it. I liked it as a callback to within the movie itself and a callback to the whole saga of, what what they've set up since Abrams relaunched it. Um, 
And finally, you're a sexist because you saw Ghostbusters and you were disappointed with it. Yeah, but I wasn't disappointed because it was the all-female cast. Right. I still think that that was a brilliant idea. Me too. I still think that it was well cast mm-hmm. with the four of them. I was disappointed because it just didn't have any heart. I feel like they didn't go for it. I, I yeah. F- I feel like they they were so concerned with trying to make those of us who love that original Ghostbusters so happy that all of the cameos felt shoehorned into me. Um, except for except, except for. Except for Annie Potts was the only one that I absolutely loved. No, Annie Potts is good, but I loved. Um, oh my God, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting his name. Uh, 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 Spankman. It was just the bust. Of oh him. yeah, yeah, yeah. Spangler, Spangler. Egon yeah, Spangler. Spa- yeah, yeah. In Egon. the beginning of the movie, I thought right. that that was a great way. To yeah, I thought that was a nice nod to him. Um, but I loved Annie Potts's when. <laughs> What do you want? I love that moment because yeah. you know her line and goes Ghostbusters. What do you want? Um, I, but yeah, I I was like, this is fine. You know, this is funny. I felt like with that cast, they had the potential to be so much more funny. I like the story. Um, I appreciated what they were trying to do. I I just feel like there was something they did not go for, and 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 um and it may be hard. It may be that it did lack a little bit of heart, but um. I also felt like most of like of those four ladies, the only one that stood out was Patty, you know, and and I guess and which one was Patty? Patty is uh, I can't think of a real name, but she's the black lady. You oh know? yeah, and yeah, uh, uh, and Le- I guess Le- I, Le- Leslie Jones. Yeah, I guess Holtzman stood out too because she was so weird. But then when you get to Melissa McCarthy and Kristen Wiig's character, they're pretty much the same character. Yeah, they're starting to play the same characters in one movie after the next. Well, I'm just saying the same character in this movie as each each other. Yeah, they were the same characters each other rather than there was enough difference in their characters. And I think one of the things that worked about the original Ghostbusters is, is you had Venkman, you know, Bill Murray basically being the he was skeptical and he was always just kind of rolling his eyes at everything, but he was doing it in a funny way, not like the not the Kristen Wiig serious way. You had Aykroyd, who was so earnest in his excitement, and you had Egon, who was just so smart that he was kind of above it all. He was weird, but he wasn't like intentionally weird. And then yeah, Ernie, and, and then, then you had Ray, who was basically just the everyman. Well, I thought Ernie Hudson was the everyman. I figured I thought uh, Winston. Oh, yeah. Winston's kind of the yeah, everyman. That, yeah, Winston. Yeah. Well, yeah, Ernie Hudson's character. Sorry, that's what I meant. To right. Say, that he was the everyman. Yeah, and and I just feel like they kind of lost that dynamic in this, and and. And they weren't, and they didn't quite play off of each other the way that I, I went in expecting those ladies, and I and I don't think I unfairly expected those ladies to be drop dead funny, because I know they can be. Because they are drop dead. Yeah, funny. yeah, and and I don't think it was an unfair expectation on my part to expect them to be funny. I I, I was excited about the casting, and excited about the movie. I am disappointed that it didn't do well enough to get a sequel because I would like to. I want to spend more time with this cast and let them really get their groove with this franchise. Yeah, without all of the... Like you said, I, I, I felt that the cameos just kind of hurt it. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, after like the first one, then you're starting to expect it. Even yeah. to the point where the last one that showed up, I knew it was coming. Yeah, Like, I'm like, oh, he's going to be so-and-so. Like, I just knew it. Because right. he was the only one that they hadn't included. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> well, and, um, and also, well, and they also they also set up. Don't they set up with the the credits scene that uh, Zool. Zool? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and that's again. This was another movie that see. I just I didn't like the villain. I right. Just, he just did. He wasn't that big a threat to me. It was just corny. Yeah, yeah. I I agree with that. I, I know, and, and, and the cool thing about like the original Ghostbusters was that as goofy as the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man could have been, he wasn't. He was scary and cool and like like a threat to them, and he was going to destroy everything. Well, and the you Stay know, Puff Marshmallow Man. Whereas in this one, if they had done him, he would have been doing some silly dance right, and stuff. Right. And it's like. Well, you look kind of missed the point. You look at how you get to Stay Puffed in the first one. You get to the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man through uh, through uh, the whole um, Gozer situation, yeah. and, and and that's kind of freaky when that woman comes stepping out and they've turned into dogs. You know those big demon dogs. Yep. Um, it, it, it's it's your girlfriend cool. is a dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and. You know, even the scene with Dana where she, you know, granted three feet above the covers, but when she's doing all that, like, there's some scary stuff in that movie that, you know, as a the kid. The very first ghost in the library. Yes. When she turns yeah. and she's like, shh, and then, like, you know, turns it, ah. Yeah. Like, I flew out of my seat. <laughs> granted, I was like 13 yeah. years old, but I still flew out of my seat. Yep. Where is this one as amazing as the ghost effects looked? Mm-hmm. Like, none of it was ever scary. Yeah. You know, and that's and I, I that's the thing is I don't feel like they balance it the, at the beginning, the first part. You know, with um, uh, with Gabe from the office. Um, yeah. You know that little bit was kind of scary when he opens that door and goes in that room and everything, to kind of start the whole thing off. But that's I think that's one of the secrets of that original Ghostbusters is that it had the right combination of scary and funny. Because you think when they go after Slimer in the hotel, there's none of that that's scary. Slimer's yeah. not scary. The the situation's not scary, but it comes on the heels again of that woman in the library. And before we get to the whole Zool Gozer mess, you know, and and when those hands come out of like the chair and everything, and and yep. suck Dana there is in, no Dana. Uh, there's only yeah, Zool. it's scary crap. I don't like it, but I, so I don't. Yeah, I, I just feel like that. What I expected from this movie, I, I think I expected even more than most people did. It was fine. Like I came out like that was fine, you know. But yeah. um, but it didn't it didn't light my world on fire. Well, and you even had moments where the guys themselves, like the movie opens with the guys being scared. They see that ghost, and don't they go like tearing out of the yes the yes. library? Oh yeah, like, when right she afterwards? when she like, yeah when what she have we got ourselves into that was your plan. Get them. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> get him. That was your plan. <laughs> get her. <Yeah>. Get. <laughs> but yeah, when they. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it does, and it starts playing that piano ditty, that cleaning up the town ditty. Um. Yeah, that was. Oh, so. I love Ghostbusters, by the way. That's so do a, I. I. And I love the second one. I'm I'm in the rare camp that so I really I. enjoy the second one. Too hot to handle, too cold to hold. Call it Ghostbusters in the in control. Yeah. <laughs> Best Bobby Brown song ever. <laughs> well, I guess we're gonna, gonna have to take control. Ooh. 
All right. Anyhow, moving on from that. I'm glad you saw it. I can't wait for you to see Doctor Strange, though. Uh, Saturday. Okay. It's, I'm going to see it Saturday. I think I you'll got, enjoy it. i got to get it done. I think you'll enjoy it. It's not going to... I don't know that it's ever going to make anyone's top five list of Marvel movies, but I'm going to tell you, I really enjoyed it for for what it was. And um, I shouldn't even say for what it was. I enjoyed it, period. All right. Uh, I, so. I, I look forward to it. Yeah, yeah. Do I need to sit through the credits? Of course. Okay. All the way to the end. All right, good. Yeah. Good. Um, uh, Stranger Things 2. Yeah, yeah. Did you see the casting news I on did. this? I did, I did. Well, even before we get to the casting news, they put out on their Instagrams, they tweeted, they put out a photo of, like, I guess the table read. And it was kind of interesting because they put the photo upside down. Nice. Which, which I thought was kind of fun. But sitting right in the middle of everybody on the table was 11. Mm-hmm. So kind of our first uh, confirmation that we're going to see 11 in season two. That's good. Which is exciting. But then they announced uh, they announced uh, a few people that were added to the cast. And I think the two that jumped out at everyone was... Um, you know, the cast, Sean, Goonie, Samwise, Rudy, Aston <laughs> in the movie. Right. And and they, ca- they cast Paul Reiser, which I'm like crazy excited about. Are you? Would I'm you like, say that you're mad about Paul Reiser? I am. Okay. I loved that show. Um, I was a huge Mad About You fan. <laughs> it, um, I don't think. But it, also because, because they talked early on. When they when they first announced they were doing the second season, they talked about how they're looking to some of the sequels as their inspiration for this, and they specifically mentioned Aliens. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so now they cast Paul Reiser, who was, you know, kind of the jerk. Yeah. Yeah. And it was the jerk in Aliens, and and it looks like sort of a similar role. They say he's been cast as Doctor Owens, quote, a high-ranking member within the Department of Energy on a cleanup assignment tasked with containing the events of last year. Nice. I so mean, kind of sounds like he's sort of playing a similar same role, role almost that he played yeah. in aliens, yeah. which is just crazy exciting to me. Yeah. Um, I got to go back to mad about you real quick. I feel like it's one of those underrated shows from the nineties. I feel like people, <sighs> it was, I feel like that show had as much to do with sitcom revolution as did, your Seinfeld and your friends. But I don't think it's an underrated show because it was a big hit. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, people don't talk about it nowadays like they do the friends or the Seinfeld or. Yeah, or well, because I think that. It, yeah, it didn't have the cultural impact, right. the pop cultural impact that Friends and Seinfeld. But now had. it does cross I over with Friends. I, I don't think that it's being syndicated. Like, it's not a show that, like. I think I it's on one of those women networks. Okay. Like your oxygen or your lifetime, maybe. Um, so is that Jimmy Mack and and David Collins doing the Oxygen Network? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I definitely think that's that's <laughs> that's even where they got that from. So, uh, <laughs> dude, I love Stranger Things. I'm looking forward to a second season of it. Um, well, and, and just real quick, Sean Astin, he's playing a character named Bob Newby. Mm-hmm. who is described as a kind-hearted former nerd who went to high school with Joyce, the Winona Ryder character, and Hopper, the, the sheriff. Mm-hmm. 
and now manages the local Hawkins Radio Shack. Oh. So just that right there, like, can you imagine the kids like going into the Radio Shack to yes. like, yes, I can build gear to go into yeah. the upside down and like you know befriending this guy i think yep. it's perfect well it's it's almost like he plays into that uh, to their teacher's character that they kept yeah. calling and asking for how would we do this if we want to do that like i can totally see him kind of be in that role yep. in this and also just radio shack being being in something like, again well, it, it just being such a huge thing, mm-hmm. like in the '80s. Yep. You know, there are Radio Shacks in every single mall in America. There are Radio Shacks in every single town in America. When Hazelhurst, yeah. Georgia, has a Radio Shack, you know that you can find a Radio Shack anywhere. Yep. And now kids will be, like my nephews will watch this and they'll be like, "What's a Radio Shack? Uh, <laughs> what's a Radio Shack?" Yeah, but maybe the the uber geekiest store of all time. Could be, possibly, yeah. Because you'd go in and there'd be like the remote control cars and mm-hmm. the Tandy computers and stuff mm-hmm. in the front of the store. But then you go to the back where it's like, you know, coaxial cables yeah. and transistors <laughs> and all like, you know, this kind of cable and that kind of yeah. plug and everything. And it's like, all right, this is all too, way too nerdy for me. Yeah, like, I mean, I if no you were with any of this, stuff. yeah, if you were a musician or you worked or on Johnny your, Ham Radio, I was going to say Ham Radio like, guy. Yep, all of it. Yeah, for yeah, sure. You couldn't live without a Radio mm-hmm. Shack. Nope. Uh, I that loved, was the first computer we had was a Radio Shack computer, a Tandy computer. I just the thing I remember, I had a love hate relationship with Radio Shack because. I thought they were so cool with their remote control cars, but there was nothing else in that store that I really wanted to because they never did. Everything was the Radio Shack brand, pretty much, that they carried. So you didn't get any license. Like, you couldn't go in there and look for Star Wars toys or anything. Right. Um, But, but yeah, the the remote control cars was a big deal to me. Have you seen the meme that's going around? It's like a like a, a newspaper ad from 1987, 1988, and it's like a Radio Shack ad with a phone calculator... Uh, camera, maybe a computer on there. Anyhow, all these different things that are on there, and it's like all of this today is in one phone. Like, yeah. it'll blow your mind, the stuff that they would sell. And it's like, I have all of that in my pocket right now yep. um, because, of the, because of the phone technology. But, yeah, Radio Shack was the place back in the day. Are, is that Does it still exist? You know, I don't know. I don't, there may be still some stores still left here or there, but mm-hmm. it's certainly not the, the crazy chain that it used to be. Radioshack.com, searchable online catalog with more than 20,000 electronic products. There are three within a uh, 70-mile radius of me. All right. So. Well, it still exists. Well, maybe it'll see a resurgence because of Stranger Things too. I'm going to Radio Shack. I'm going to go Stranger visit Radio Things Shack. Have I'm going to stop by Radio Shack and take pictures from you. Here's off their here's off their website right now, man. Yeah, it's and it's still the same thing. It's Radio Shack branded stuff almost. Bluetooth headphones, a drone. They've got a drone that they're selling. Radio Shack well, is stuck with it. Well, let's be honest. The first drone was probably built with all parts bought at Radio Shack. Probably. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Look at 3D printing, chemical tape and adhesives, component parts, connectors and adapters, fuses, LEDs, mini bulbs and lamps. They've got everything. Uh, all right. Let's get back to movies. Sorry. 
This isn't past the transistor. <laughs> no one knows what a transistor is anymore. Well, the guys at Radio Shack do. I bet they do. They can help you out. All right, let's get into it. The, the movies of November 2016. Um, All right, so we're recording this on November 10th, so mm-hmm. we missed the first weekend of the month. We did. Um, and so uh, we had Trolls mm-hmm. opened, which is an animated movie about the you know, the little troll dolls with the funny hair. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, who do we? it features the voice talents of Christopher Mintz-Plasse, who was McLovin and uh, super bad. Anna Kendrick. Love me some Anna Kendrick. Mm-hmm. Uh, J. Tim and Christine Baranski. Your boy, and your boy, Justin, you talking about? My boy, my boy J. Tim. <laughs> uh, Zoe Deschanel, mm. John Cleese, and Jeffrey Tambor. Wow. Hey, now. Uh, also lend their voices to the animated fantasy inspired by Danish woodcutter Thomas Dom's collectible dolls. So that's playing. Uh, Steve mentioned Doctor Strange. That opened. And honestly, if you're listening to this podcast, you already know what Doctor Strange is. Uh, and then the other movie that opened big this weekend was Hacksaw Ridge, which is a new movie from Mel Gibson. Uh Directed by Mel Gibson, mm-hmm. it's it's a biopic about World War II Army medic Desmond Doss, who's played here by Andrew Spider-Man Garfield, uh, a conscientious a conscientious objector who easy for you to, to say, take, huh? Easy for you to say, yeah. Conscientious, conscientious objector. Yeah, conscientious he's, objector. He's a conscientious objector. Hey, we're 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 making fun of the Medal of Honor. I'm sorry. No, I'm making fun. I'm making fun of you not being able to say conscientious. (laughs) A conscientious objector who refused to take a life or even carry a weapon. Wow. Doss was eventually awarded the Medal of Honor for saving the lives of 75 soldiers on the battlefields of Okinawa. Um, The movie also stars Hugo Weaving, Teresa Palmer, Vince Vaughn, and Sam Worthington. Um. I mean, this look. This is a movie I want to see. This, this I've looks, seen the trailers, and it's very compelling. It looks very compelling. And look, I know that we've talked a little bit about Mel in the past about mm-hmm. how we miss him in films, and it's completely understandable why we're not seeing him in movies. I mean, the guy is an idiot um, with some of the things he said and and done. But he's, I think, he's also a fantastic director. I, I love Braveheart such a great movie um his movie apocalypto really surprised me how engaged i was in that um and a movie with like no english dialogue spoken and stuff like i found it really exciting and yeah. riveting um so i i passion of the christ i didn't see steve i, I believe you may have seen that one um yeah yeah it was uh you know it's <laughs> i um I got you got to be careful when you talk about Passion of the Christ with the Christian yeah. audience. They get mad. Look, it's a movie about a man getting beaten to death and and hung on a cross like it literally is what what you think it is. And there is a spiritual component to it and it was engaging and and I thought his take on the spiritual aspect of things that was going on that day is very intriguing and I'm really intrigued with the fact that he wants to do a sequel. He wants to do Resurrection. 
and he wants to do what was going on in the spirit world while Jesus was in the tomb, basically. Um, I don't know if that was a joke he was making or if he's really serious about doing that, but I think that's a, a compelling, interesting idea. But um, That could be Ghostbusters, too. I think it really could be. <laughs> Uh, sorry, I just I had to say I'm, I'm sorry, I apologize. No, I, I love it. No, but I think I I agree with you though. I think I think he's really proven himself as a great director, and um, I think if he can just not if he can stay off the sauce and not say stupid things, um, you know, and I not think well, stupid things. Well, maybe the shame here is is that like I've seen some articles online and in some newspapers here locally and stuff that suggest that this movie might have been been an early Oscar candidate, if not for him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just because you know he's Mel Gibson and the baggage that he now carries with him. But because I've enjoyed the films that he's made, this is one that I definitely am intrigued to see. Um, so opening this Friday, tomorrow, as we record this, is this might be the movie that really intrigues me and that I'm looking forward to kind of oh, the yeah. most. Yes. Yep. Here is, uh, is it's called Arrival, mm-hmm. um, directed by Dennis Villeneuve. Um, it's a science fiction suspense film about Earth's response to a possible alien invasion. After extraterrestrial spacecraft plant themselves at various locations around the globe, a linguist, played by Amy Adams, and a theoretical physicist, played by Jeremy Renner, so it's Lois Lane and Hawkeye, mm-hmm. must find a way to communicate with the mysterious visitors in order to learn what they want and whether they pose a threat to humanity. Also stars uh, Forrest Whitaker, uh, Saw Guerrera, right, and Michael Stuhlbarg in the film, um, and it's written by the guy who wrote Sicario, and that was one of my favorite movies last year. Um, I, so I'm just I'm really intrigued by this. I'm thing. really looking forward to it. The trailers have me really excited. It seems like a new twist on the alien invasion idea. Um, I saw a couple of days ago that its score on Rotten Tomatoes was a hundred percent. I saw that in a trailer, and um, where they were bragging about that, or a TV spot or something. And that's—I mean, that's almost—that's unheard of. So I'm, yeah. This is probably one of my more into. This is one that kind of snuck up on me in the past month or two. Maybe the past six weeks was the first time I saw a trailer for this, and. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually saw it because I'd clicked on a YouTube video, and this was the ad. Um, and I'm like, what is this? Yeah, don't you love that when you click on YouTube to watch a movie trailer and you have to watch another watch movie another trailer, trailer. ad? But in this case, that really kind of piqued my interest, so I started to dig about it, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this looks amazing. And it really is, I think, kind of coming out of the shadows for me is something I didn't know existed into being one of my more anticipated movies of of the month of November, but also the year, really. Yeah, it just, it looks tight. It looks suspenseful. It's intriguing. Like, I want to know what these aliens are. I just hope it's not like contact where you get to the end and you see the aliens and it's her freaking father. I don't see, I don't think it's going to be any of that. I think it's going to be <laughs> Yeah, more, I don't think so either. Yeah, I, I don't think it'd have 100% on Rotten Tomatoes if that was the case. 
Yeah, I just so it beautiful. was a South, it was a South Park joke I had to throw out there. So beautiful. <laughs> sent a poet. Um so this next one, this I believe is going to get sort of a platform release. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that this one's opening around the whole country this Friday or just parts of it. Um, it's Ang Lee's new movie, and it's called Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk. And this is uh, the synopsis for this is after a video of him saving his sergeant's life during a battle in Iraq goes viral, a 19-year-old U.S. soldier named Billy Lynn is invited, along with the squad mates, to return to the States for a promotional tour involving a military celebration during a Thanksgiving football game. However, the experience only makes Lynn feel more alienated from society that doesn't truly understand or appreciate the sacrifices of its soldiers. Uh, The movie stars Kristen Stewart, Vin Diesel, Garrett Hedlund, Steve Martin, Tim Blake Nelson, and Chris Tucker. As I said, directed by Ang Lee. Chris Tucker? It's Chris Tucker. You got knocked on your butt, Chris Tucker. <laughs> yep. You got knocked the F out. Don't you ever, 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 ever mess with that Chris Tucker? I believe so. I mean, wow. I don't know any other Chris Tucker. Holy cow. Uh, What's he doing in a movie like this? Well, I mean, supposedly Steve Martin plays a serious role in this. I can see that, though. Um, Steve Martin is a... Is a um, is an aged statesman of our time. Yep. Um, so it's based on the acclaimed novel of the same name by Ben Fountain. Um, now, the reason why I picked this movie is that there's a really interesting technical thing going mm. on with this film. Oh, yeah. Ang Lee decided to shoot this shoot this movie and project it at 120 frames per second. And it's getting brutalized in, because of that. In it? 3D and 4000K and 4K HD resolution. Um, which is insane. I, I mean to to put it in to put it in perspective, a normal movie is at 24 frames per second. Mm-hmm. And Peter Jackson's uh, first Hobbit movie, he shot at forty-eight frames per second. Right, and even so, that, and even that caused people some discomfort. So much so that they went in, and I think they did the other two at forty-eight frames, but they just did some restructuring and blurred some edges and stuff within the within the film, so that it would not be as crisp. They had to develop a whole new way of doing makeup on the actors mm-hmm. for Billy Lynn wow. because the the resolution is so high that you could see all the makeup when they would do it, like if done in a normal way. I mean, this movie brings out every single mm-hmm. little minute detail on a person's face and their clothes and all that stuff. I mean, look, you watch the trailer online and you're not going to get the true look of what this is because you're, you're watching it on your computer at home. Mm -hmm. But some of the articles that I've read about this movie from people who've seen it at some of the, the early screenings that have happened, it's kind of jarring to them because it, it looks almost more real than real. Mm -hmm. Um, and and it's certainly this 120 frames per second has been kind of off putting to some people. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's, it's Ang Lee and his thing of late is, you know, pushing the technology. We saw him doing it with 
Life of Pi yeah. and the digital effects there. And this is something that, you know, he he explored doing for a while with this. They did some tests. Um, he actually waited a little while on this because uh, the filmmaker Douglas Trumbull and James Cameron had been doing some tests with it. And he kind of wanted to follow to see, you know, how their tests went first before he committed to it. But I just, I just think it, from a pure filmmaking standpoint, this could be like one of those groundbreaking moments. Um, being the first guy to actually, you know, have a movie distributed at such a high frame rate as this. Yeah, so. I, I saw, I, I read an article about it the other day, um, and and basically people were kind of thrashing it based on not being able to watch it. Like it was getting it was getting kind of panned because of uh, people having to watch it that way. As you said, it just it looks more real than real, and and it was so off putting that that critics and stuff were actually walking out of the theater. But you know the interesting thing is that it's often like the first one out, like doing something sure. different like this. You know, they, they go through this. There was a Woody Allen movie about 10 or 15 years ago. I, I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. But he shot almost the entire movie with the handheld camera. Oh, God. And that, too, had the same reaction from people that it was too jarring. It was too jiggery. Like, you know, it, it was uncomfortable for them to watch it. But now... A lot of the TV we watch, a lot of the movies we watch, if not the whole thing, scenes in it are done with handheld cameras. It's become sort of the norm. I mean, even Rogue One, we were talking about earlier, one of the intriguing things on it is going to be the style that it's shot in. And it, from the trailers that we've seen, it looks like there's some handheld stuff in there. Yeah, but there so, better not be, I tell you what, they better not be shaking that thing all over the, they better not be Man of Steel handheld is all I'm saying. Yeah, but what I'm saying is that, you know, this Woody Allen movie so many years ago that mm-hmm. that put people off, now it's, you know, it's sort of the norm to see right. this stuff. So, you know, who knows, as we go forward, the 48, the, the 120, stuff like that may start to become more common. And the more we see it, the more we come accustomed to it. And it's not such a thing. So what's interesting to me here is if this is something that people are going to pursue using going forward or you know maybe they just use it for certain scenes in a movie you know like we saw jj abrams do with force awakens where he used imax for the imax cameras for just certain scenes in in the movie so it's just it's intriguing to Mm -hmm. me yeah it's it's an intriguing concept and it's i'm glad to see someone trying to push the medium forward um do something a little bit different yeah i feel like we've lost that since you know lucas has been gone but you know so uh we're a couple weeks away from the big thanksgiving holiday weekend yep, and yep. that means lots of family oriented movies mm-hmm. and of course that means bad santa too yeah yeah <laughs> his kids are, his kids a uh, alcohol fetal alcohol syndrome if i've ever seen one <laughs> Uh, Billy Bob Thornton returns for the sequel to the 2003 cult hit Bad Santa. Also stars Christina Hendricks, Kathy Bates, and Tony Cox. Um, look, I loved the original one. It made me laugh like crazy. So 
I, I may take the the two older nephews to see this one. Mm. Yeah. If they're interested, we'll see. Yeah, this um, this is a wait and catch it if I catch it, don't if I don't kind of thing for yeah. me. Um, but the two big guns, uh, Friday, November 18th, we get the first in uh, in a five trilo- a five trilogy. Uh, really? It's five of them? They're making five of these? They, they, they announced, uh, J.K. Rowling's announced that there was going to be four more in the series. So it's a new series of, of movies in the Harry Potter universe. Uh, the first one's called Magical Beasts and Where to Find Them. Look, if you're listening to this podcast, you know what this movie is. I thought it was Fantastic you know. Beasts and Where to Find Them. Oh, it, that might be it. Okay. I apologize. <laughs> it's one of the two. Um, the highly anticipated adaptation of J.K. Rowling's Harry Potter prequel focuses on the mythical creatures of that universe as told by Newt Scamander, played by Eddie Redmayne, during his time at the Magical Congress of the United States of America. Hmm. Um, uh, uh, this just looks fun. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's... I, lo- I love the Harry Potter universe. I'm too. excited that we're getting more movies in it. Yeah, I'm not... Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go see this as I have time. This is not one I'm going to rush to go see... Um, I really, I dug Harry Potter. I read those books when I finally got into them. I devoured those books. Um, and I was really impressed with Rowling's ability to, um, to really kind of tell honest kid stories, you know, and, 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 and keep it age appropriate throughout, you know, and you really, if you were a kid getting these books as they were released, you were growing up with these characters and, and she did a really good job of showing these characters grow up. Um, the movies, I, I was, you know, yeah, okay, whatever. But I don't think this is not a, this is not an adaptation actual book. This is just, this I think she actually wrote the screenplay. Right. This. She wrote the screenplay. Um, so there's not a, there's not a novel that has come before this. So this is actually written to be a movie. And I think it may cause it to work better for me than some of the Potter movies did. Yeah. I'm just, uh, hold on. I'm just double checking the title here. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure it's Fantastic uh, Beasts and Where to Find Them. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you're right. Yes, it is Fantastic Beasts, not Magical Beasts. Finally. My apologies, Potter fans. Finally, I'm right about something. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's Friday, November 18th. Mm-hmm. And then the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, one, oh. November 23rd, that's when we get Bad Santa 2. And, uh, and then we get uh, Mr. Dwayne Johnson's new movie, yes, sir. Moana, mm-hmm. which uh, this just looks fantastic. Uh, it looks uh, beautiful. It looks absolutely gorgeous. These, the trailers yeah. are just stunning. Uh, young navigator Moana teams with demigod uh, Maui who is Dwayne Johnson mm-hmm. to locate a legendary island and together together the pair explore fantastical lands and encounter incredible sea creatures in this animated adventure from Disney and the movie's going to feature uh new songs from Lynn Manuel Miranda who is famous for Hamilton. Old Jabba. He also um, wrote Jabba Flow and Jabba Flow. Mhm. Um I just it this looks like a lot of fun. Yeah, I uh, love it. Teresa and I watched the uh, or, or we were doing Disney Vault Talk and I didn't realize the trailer had come out for it. And so I actually watched it while we were recording Disney Vault Talk and um 
and it was it's the one where she's like a little girl and the water's playing with her and everything and i just right. was i was captivated it is gorgeous the the animation looks amazing it looks like it's going to be a ton of fun and uh i'm really excited about um about this movie this is this is one i'll go see instead of bad santa too <laughs> this is one i'm definitely going to take yeah. the, the family to see over the holiday yeah um, me and probably like the two of us and everybody else in the world, this movie's going <laughs> to clean up that week. Yes, sir. Oh um, my gosh. But it's, it's the kind of stuff that, you know, we want to see with the family. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, it, there's a few, there's other movies. November, we start seeing the platform releases that mm-hmm. open in like a market here or there, and then right. they'll expand out through December you know, a lot of the movies that are going to start jockeying for Oscar contention later in the year. Yeah. Um, I didn't include them here. What I'm, I'm hoping to do maybe in early December, just do an episode focused on those. Okay, cool. Um, so more, more to come on that, but these are the big guns that are coming out in November. Now, Eric, um, I'm going to tell you straight up, I'm looking at these anniversary movies and there's not mm-hmm. a bad one in the bunch as far as I'm concerned. Well, I mean, the the one thing about November is that we get a lot of big movies for the Thanksgiving holidays. Yep. So with our anniversary breakdown here, um, especially as we get later into it, there are some big titles in here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, certainly in terms of the gentleman that I'm speaking to here. Yes, sir. Probably none bigger than the first one that we're going to talk about 40 years ago. Oh. November 1976. What a glorious I'm just going to let you run with it from here. Well, next week, um, Lauren Sadowski-Collins is going to be on, and we talked uh, for 30, 45 minutes a couple of weeks ago just about Rocky, and, and we delved into the whole series. But 40 anniv- 40th anniversary is this month, and I've said it. I've said it almost to the point of exhaustion that if there were no Star Wars, Rocky would be my Star Wars. I love these movies. I love every single one of them. Even Five has stuff to love about it. And um, and to me, you just don't get better in some ways than this first one, than the one that started it all. I mean, it is the one that started it all. And gosh, this... Uh, I mean, Sylvester Stallone, someone needs to just say he's kind of a genius in in the sense that he created this character and he created this world and he made someone who's not just uh it's not just a boxing movie it's a love story it's a character piece it's it's a it's a great just all around stuff he could have gone so dark with it and i know initially they thought about it you know whereas mickey you know one of the original ideas was mickey was telling him to stay down and just throw the fight with apollo and get the money and get out and you know, and it turned into this real thing between these two guys where they, they formed a bond and had an affection for each other as much as, you know, the love story between Rocky and Adrian is going on. And uh, I just, I love this movie, and I can't wait to let you guys hear the conversation that Lauren and I had uh, next week on Geek Out Loud. Well, and I do think that Sly is underrated for his abilities as a screenwriter. Agreed. Yep. Um, so that's our 40th anniversary. Mm-hmm. Now, our 35th anniversary, this is a movie that, I mean, there there's a line at the end of this movie that I still quote on a regular basis. I have a confession day. to make about this movie. You've never seen it? Never seen it. Wow. And of course, we're, right. talking, we're so, talking about Time Bandits, ladies and gentlemen. Time Bandits from November 1981. You have to see this movie. 
It, I, there's just it, it's weird and it's strange, but there's a lot of cool stuff in it. It's got some fun cameos in it. Kenny Baker's uh, in it. Kenny Baker is in it. Yep. Yep. But there is a line at the end of the movie where the kid's like, don't touch it. It's evil. And like, I still use that line all the time. Uh, th- there's an awesome Sean Connery cameo in it. Uh, yeah. I, what was uh, it? was Techno Retro Dads I was listening to, and they were talking about this movie, and they mentioned that someone had written the, the they'd written that part with sean connery in mind and and so the director's like well let's just get sean connery to do it and he did they like they didn't expect that he would do it and he ended up doing it for him it's just it, it's a great movie and it's been ages since i've seen it i believe terry gilliam directed this one yes and yep yeah yeah he just this was kind of like this and baron munchausen just just the imagination and the creativity and stuff in these movies. Uh, I just, I love the, I mm-hmm. love both those movies. So Steve, I implore you, please see this movie. Yeah, I, I want to, I've heard nothing but good stuff about it. And people say it'd be, it's one of those things that would be right out my alley. So. Um, I need to 30 years ago, mm-hmm. November, 1986. Oh, here we go. Here we go. So the first one up Hoosiers, <sighs> which Arguably, is the greatest sports movie of all time. Uh, it's it's up there. It's one of them. It's one of them. Um, I, you can't have a conversation about sports movies without mentioning Hoosiers. I don't. I I completely agree, a hundred percent. Um, and funny enough, I start. I I worked on this list yesterday, and yesterday morning because I had the day off, and you know, kind of just getting my head right after the events of Tuesday night and stuff. <laughs> right. But I started watching this new series on Amazon, uh, an original series for Amazon called Goliath mm-hmm. with uh, Billy Bob Thornton in it. And uh, it's a series created by David E. Kelly. And I just, it's one of those series that like, it just kind of gets hold of you mm-hmm. and like, you can't stop watching it sort of, but there is a whole running theme through it where, Hoosiers is this sent is this meaningful movie to the Billy Bob character and like he quotes scenes from it he's seen watching it and it and so it's just like that's the kind that's of cool I think connection that it's had with pop culture and stuff um, and it's just also a great movie I, I mean Fantastic I love cast. I love the moment when they show up at the where the tournament's going to be held and he hands them the tape measure and he's like measure this line. Yep. All right, what's the distance between the gold and the, and the ground? And they do it all, and he's like, gentlemen, these are the same dimensions as your gym back home. I'm like, oh, what a great, great moment. Yep. I mean, it's just so, the way he would teach those boys and, and dealt with them and everything was so good. Um, second one is uh, An American Tale. Oh, my Atlanta. <laughs> I mean, come on. Does it get better than American Tale? Somewhere out there. <laughs> Little survival. Um, I, just, I remember going to see this one with my parents. And I mean, this was truly a movie that you, the family movie that you could go see mm-hmm. like over Thanksgiving and just like, you know, such a great tale and stuff. And kind of too, when there weren't a lot of other big animated family films like this coming out and stuff. 
Um, right, this was Don Bluth Films. Um, yep. This was, you know, obviously after his fallout with Disney. And quite frankly, this was kind of in where Disney kind of dipped in quality. This was before that Disney renaissance that would take place mm-hmm. not long after this, but it was, you know, we were kind of living in the uh, American tale, Land Before Time days in 1986. Well, it, it spawned a sequel to An American Tale, Fievel Goes West. That's right. That- actually would have fallen 20 years later here i believe that came out 19 november 1996 really um it it was one it was one either in 1991 or 96 it came out i I think it was 91 to be honest i I didn't include it on because it didn't have the same impact on me that american tale had and i figured like we're talking we didn't need both of them on there but that too would have been one of the anniversaries yeah okay um, and then the third one, uh, 30 years Come ago, on. was Come Star on. Trek for the Voyage Home. That's right. There be whales here, Captain. <laughs> Hello, computer. Uh, computer. Use the mouse. Oh, hello. It, hello. It, this one just like followed up on the that the even, the odd number Trek movies were bad and the even number movies were good. But see, I'm of the rare breed that I enjoy Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. Captain Kirk, <laughs> you don't want to give me the Genesis device? Okie doke. <laughs> Okie doke. Because <laughs> it's Marty. Jim. It's Reverend Jim as a Klingon. <laughs> it's Doc. It's Doc <laughs> as a Klingon. Um, but he wasn't Doc at that point yet. That's true. He hadn't been Doc he, yet. He was he. known for being Reverend that's Jim. Right. Taxi. That's right. And then next thing you know, he's a freaking Klingon. Yeah. <laughs> I Listen, I still love that movie, but Star Trek For the Voyage Home is my favorite Star Trek movie of all time. It's just such a smart movie. Yeah, I, yeah the time travel in the whales is a little... Is a little hokey, but it's Whatever. just it's glorious. It's them. It's them back in our time, mm-hmm. you know. And, and it's 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 what we talked about earlier on the show about the characters and the relationships. It's probably one of the best relationship films <laughs> because it's all about you know Spock has been brought back to life and he doesn't quite remember himself and who he was, and it's all about rebuilding that connection that he had with Kirk and there's just, Oh, there's so much brilliance. In I that. mean, listen, listeners of the show are going to have to forgive me cause I've got to go a little bit outside the lines of normalcy for us, but double dumbass on you. One of the greatest lines in American cinema history. <laughs> and then when she, which after he's been swimming with the whales and she's like, what the hell are you doing? I was communicating the hell with the whales. <laughs> well, I love, I love when Scotty and Chekhov and Sulu like sit down in front of the computer. Yeah, that's a hello and, computer. And like, computer. Hello computer. And they like just use the keyboard. And he's like how, keyboard. How, how quaint. How quaint. <laughs> hello computer. And he and, and he goes. It's a uh, well. Chekhov he is. The, he picks up the mouse and he talks into it. Like yeah. It's a communicator. Hello computer. <laughs> yeah, but it's not. Chekhov's not with him when he does that. Chekhov is going to get the nuclear vessels. Oh yes, that's and, right. And the, he's the nuclear vessel. And he's and he fell and and you know had had the brain injury, and yep. so they have to find him in the hospital. And um, I love it. The doctor gave me a pill. and I got a new kidney. That's <laughs> <laughs> when they I 
I'm running back by. He's like, what are you? He's, he's just, what? what's your problem? Dialysis, dialysis. Oh, what is this, the dark ages? Here, take two of these and call me in the morning. And then the next time they blow by while they're sneaking check off out, the doctor gave me two pills and I grew a new kidney. <laughs> I love it. Now I want to watch this movie again. Oh, by the way, I can't I can't let us just skip past American Tale without a little bit of this action here. Hmm. No, that's Peebo Bryson and No. Who's the It was no? it was Linda Ronstadt and James Ingram. Oh, okay. Peebo Bryson, uh did he do the next one that we're about to talk about? No, I don't think so, did he? Um, I don't know. Okay, so we're going to go 25 years back, November 1991. Look, I I saw this when it first came out, and maybe I've seen it one more time since then, but you're the co-host of Disney Vault Talk, so... I'm this. You run with this one. Well, this is a special. This one. This movie is very, very special to me, Irish. Um, my niece, uh, whom I love, was was just a little little tyke when this came out on video, and she was scared. She loved this movie, but she didn't like to watch it by herself until the Beast was nice, and so. I spent many hours sitting on the couch with my little two, three-year-old niece watching Beauty and the Beast with her until the Beast was nice. And then she'd say, okay, I'm okay now. You know, that kind of thing. And um, and it was Christmas a few... It was several years back when this first came out on DVD that it was Christmas that year, and I bought it for her for Christmas. And so when we were all exchanging gifts on Christmas Day... Um, I handed her a gift that was just for me, and she handed me a gift that was just from her, and we opened it, and we'd both gotten each other Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> and uh, and so, and in fact, they've got the live-action movie coming out today. I was just going to say, please tell me you're going to go see that with her. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to try. You know, she's got two kids now, and, um, and of course, I love... you got to go see it with I her. love them to death, and her little daughter, Addie, is just my best friend in the world. And so we're trying to make sure that she loves Beauty and the Beast, too. But, yeah, I texted her today. I'm like, have you seen the trailers for this Beauty and the Beast? So hopefully I'll be able to make it down that way to go see it with her and, and the youngins. And um, Well, and there's some uh, Entertainment Weekly last week had some great pictures from it. I got to say, the live-action Beast looks awesome. Yeah, it looks – it does. It, and, and, the, and the trailer – you know, I was very skeptical about this, and the trailer kind of starts out, and it doesn't really have anything too recognizable from the Yeah, it's movie. just like a real teaser, teaser, teaser yeah. kind of thing. Until you get to the end, and then it and then it puts those strings of tell as old as time in there. Right. And, um, and I just, I got chills, and I'm like, all right, I'm on board. And, uh, and because, again, because this movie... It does. It is very, very special to me because of my sentimental attachment to it and everything. Um, the pop version of this song, I believe, yeah, I was right. It was Peebo Bryson and Celine Dion that sang it. Okay. So, um, so yeah, I knew what I was talking about. Don't you dare doubt me on my Beauty and the Beast knowledge, son. I'm not doubting you on any Disney knowledge. I make Teresa sit through this all the time. <laughs> Sing it, Celine. I tell you what, that's Celine Dion. She can sing now. I don't care who you are. 
You think so? Oh yeah. She I think she, so. She I think she listen, I'm not a big fan of that whole my heart will go on Grover song ripoff, but most of I, I celebrate most of her entire catalog. I'm man enough to say it. <laughs> we gotta get you to Vegas to see her live show. My brother went her during her first um her first uh residency there. He went and saw her and he said it was amazing. So I'm man enough. I listen. I'm man enough to say that I appreciate the woman's vocals. That's all I'm saying. There you go, Steve. Um, all right. Twenty years ago, November 1996. It's a little bit weaker year, but still good stuff. Space Jam. Y'all ready for this? I mean, look, just well, and this gave us. I believe I. Oh, can fly. that's right. Yes, yeah. You I know, believe I can touch the sky. I gotta tell you, I thought it'd be Think terrible. About it every night and day. I I thought it'd be terrible. Michael trying to act <laughs> with cartoons. <laughs> Charlie Barkley, and, <laughs> terrible. I thought it'd be terrible, and but you know what happened when that movie came out? They made it like Michael could beat all of us, and that was what was really terrible about it. Terrible. Oh, uh, it just you know, it, it was a fun movie. Yeah, it blended the live action and yep. the animation really well. Michael Jordan had a ton of charisma that just played well on the screen. Bill Murray, brilliant. Brilliant marketing in it. Yeah, the great cameos in it. You know, it was a fun movie. And it's supposedly, you know, I keep seeing talk that they're going to do a Space Jam 2 with LeBron. But I- I'm sorry. It's never going to be the same. As, I don't as think. Yeah, I don't think LeBron has the personality of a Michael yeah. Jordan. Um, yeah, the yeah. monster all-stars. Oh, so good. That was terrible. I'm telling you, I thought it would be a good idea, but it turned <laughs> out to be terrible. And I believe I can yes, fly. Yes, sir. Oh, oh um, R. Kelly. All right. This next one I put on here just because I wanted a Turbo Man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, turbo Man. Jingle all jing, the way. Jing, come to see my new movie, The Jingle All the Way. You know, <laughs> this movie is notorious on a cut for now, looking back for a couple of things. Number one, Jake Lloyd was the child star in it, he starred yes. with Arnold Schwarzenegger. But also, um, for me at the time, uh, one, well, we knew him as the giant in WCW actually had a cameo in this movie as one of the Santas that was beating up. Um, there's, really? There's a fight scene with all the Santas. Yeah, and he was one of them. Yeah, the big show. Well, it's yep. the big show. But he was the giant back then. That's what he was back then. Uh, all of these movies, all three of the movies you list here are great movies to be listed here, but I associate them all with this theater uh, where I was at in college that was a, one of the dollar theaters. Very nice. It was super clean, pretty new when I was in college there 20 years ago. God, I'm old. And um, and and had great DTS surround sound. This was just before stadium seating started to come in vogue. And... Um, but man, we we'd go down there and, and just 
I would just go watch whatever was playing just to kind of get away from everybody for two Because it was a dollar, and you yeah. can't beat that with a stick. So I saw Space Jam two or three times. I saw Jingle All the Way at least once. I think I, I don't know that I saw 101 Dalmatians there. I think it would it had left that theater by the time I got back from uh, Christmas break. Um, See, when I was... When I was like... 13 years old we had a dollar theater by us and i saw blade runner there i saw clash of the titans there i saw i'm pretty sure raiders of the lost ark on like a second or third release there Mm -hmm. kind of thing like like those were the kind of things that i would see at the dollar theater and then we moved down to florida and i lost the dollar theater and it just made me sad yeah um now, 101 Dalmatians, look, I put this on here because of you. Yeah. Well, now, I, I understand I don't that. Think, I don't think I've ever even seen this. I movie. don't know that I have either. And I understand that I'm not, I'm not as much the Disney guy as Teresa is. I'm the podcast provider for the Disney stuff for Teresa. Okay. I, I've, I've been on a journey through a lot of these Disney movies, and, and a lot of them have been the first time. I will say this, though. This was a successful live-action remake of an animated movie. Um, well, and brilliant casting. Oh, sure. Going- Sure. as Cruella DeVille. But I think that you may be able with all of the uh the you know the modern trend now of doing these live action remakes, you may be able to point to 101 Dalmatians as kind of being the precursor and the progenitor of, yeah. of doing that to these things. Also, I mean this spawned a sequel, 102 Dalmatians. It did. Yeah. So, you're talking about a live action movie based on an animated series that sparked or a animated movie that sparked its own sequel and brought that whole franchise back into the forefront, you know, and, um, or franchise that whole movie back into the forefront for a lot of, for, for a whole new generation. So, you know, like you say, Glenn Close is Cruella DeVille, you know, that was fantastic casting. Okay. 15 years. Has it been 15 years? 2001. Wow. Uh, This in the, the Mount Rushmore Pixar movies. Indeed. Agreed. A hundred percent. Monsters Inc. Yes, sir. I just love this movie. I mean, Mike and Sully are just brilliant characters. The just the design of the characters, the portrayal from John Goodman and Billy Crystal, mm-hmm. fantastic. Randall as the bad guy, played by Steven. Just everything about this movie was so good to me. It's got so much heart. Yep. It's scary at times. It's hysterical. Is Love this, this was this the, I guess this was the fourth movie that we had from Pixar ever. Um, to put it in, I mean, to put how they're doing things these days in perspective for you. Uh, we had Toy Story 95. I, I just looked this up. A Bug's Life was the second one, 98. Toy Story 2, 99. And then this was November's, we're saying here, of 2001. This is really maybe they did a little bit in Toy Story Two with the heartstrings with the whole Jesse scene, but that always seemed to slow the movie down more than really resonate with me. Right. But the but Monsters Inc. really kind of showed you uh, from from Pixar. We don't mind going for the jugular when you know with the whole Boo and having to send her home and the you know the way yeah. it's got. Oh my gosh! It just but it's. It's not the center of your home that gets me. It's the very end when yes. he opens the door. Oh yeah, that's yep. what just that's what just yeah. nails me. Yeah, right, right, and the left ventricle. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so, and and, and it's like, just fun. That whole door chase sequence. Yes. It was amazing. It is amazing to look at. Um, just a lot of really cool stuff. I love the guys in the hazmat suits that come in to do the cleanups. Yes. That poor, that um, poor monster that kept getting shaved, shaven, shorn. Yeah. The poor monster that kept becoming shorn. Well, oh. and the other thing too, was this was McDonald's did an awesome happy meal collection for oh this. yeah i don't remember it that that had really cool figures for like the for this and for toy story they did really cool figures the toy story ones would all dispense uh like a sweet tart mm-hmm. kind of candy um like the t-rex you would turn his head and the candy would come out and roll down his back to the bottom of his tail oh, nice. mr potato head you could had the pieces so you could change him from being mr to mrs potato head Nice. But then he had a little wind up and he would roll and as he would roll he would just kind of poop out the little candies. Oh cool. Um and your angry and then, eyes just in case. <laughs> and then for Monsters Inc they just did really cool figures mm-hmm. of the different monsters. I don't I don't remember um, that promotion. That's um That's some good stuff. I just I just remember I like I still have some of them at work. I keep mm-hmm. a a box of like odds and end kind of toys at my desk. <laughs> Whenever people bring their kids in, they wind up hanging out with me. Yeah. Um, so I just pull the box out and like have at it kids. Yeah. Um, and I've got some of those in there. Cool. Um, but yeah, monsters Inc. I absolutely love this. It's movie. a fantastic movie. It, it's, I mean, it is, it's one of those where Pixar's firing on all cylinders with yep. this one. I mean, it really is the humor's there. The heart's there. The spectacle of, like you say, the whole door chase sequence is just beyond amazing to watch. But just really creative too, like the mm-hmm. scenes where they're like walking down the street and you got monsters yep. the size of Godzilla and like little guys yep. and stuff and all different shapes and like twenty legs on this one and like one eye on that one and stuff. It was just so much fun eye candy. Yes, exactly. Throughout the movie too. Yep. And Billy Crystal and John Goodman are just spectacular. Glorious. Fantastic. Yep. By the way, we shared this on a couple of weeks ago during the Daily Gold. John Goodman has been confirmed to refer to return to the fifth uh Transformers movie. And there was someone oh. else. There was someone else who's gonna be in it. Oh, John is Turturro the, is coming back. Is this the night one that they're yeah, shooting? The right last now? night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Anyhow, I have a theory had, about it. That he's Snoke? No, I, I, my theory is that this is going to be their cinematic doorway to connect to G.I. Joe and then branch into all these other properties they're wanting to do a connected cinematic universe with the Hasbro properties. Yeah. Based on some of the stuff we've, we've heard from sets and everything. But anyhow, yep. we're still in just I love my... As, just as long as they wrap Battleship into it. Exactly. I say all that to say I love Monsters, Inc. Um, all right. So also 15 years ago... Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Um, um, this John, was the first one, right? Yeah, yeah. John Williams score, um, Chris Columbus directing, I believe. And um, you know, I don't know Harry. I, I said this. This is one of the things I said to Riley the other day, Eric. And, and and we don't have to go down too long a rabbit hole of this because I'm getting ready to go to bed. But um, I feel like that as far as fandoms go that the thing that has cl- most closely rivaled Star Wars fandom has been Harry Potter and 
and the thing I could ab- see that. And the thing about this movie in 2001, people were already crazy about the. I, I guess there'd been two, maybe three books out. Already? I think it was three, maybe going out to the fourth yeah. book, something like that. But yeah, there was already, like the the rabid fandom was building from the, the books. Right, already. the fervor was there because of the books, and and this movie just blew the doors off. I mean, to get John Williams to to score it and like and they, Chris Columbus was a hot commodity. Yes, at sir. The time, yes, too. sir. You know, That's why coming I, yeah. off of you know the Home Alone movies yep. and. You know, he he was doing stuff with Robin Williams and everything. Mm-hmm. He was a big name director at the time, well, so that was a big get. And truth be told, they cast this movie perfectly. You know, the the kids that they put in these roles looked like they stepped off the pages of those books. And well, and one of the fun things about this whole series is because you know each movie is like a year apart, mm-hmm. and in the story, you kind of get to see these kids grow up right, too. Right. And so you go back and watch it now, and it's like, oh my, they were so young then. Yeah, so little. But it worked. I mean, and this, and I'll be honest with you, this is the movie that caused me to get into Harry Potter, and it, and it was years after it had come on, uh, come out, because it was actually on like ABC Family one day. And I was right. flipping around, and and there's a scene where they're getting onto the train, and they're running through the wall to do so. And I'm Platform like, nine and three quarters. Yeah, and, and it just captured my imagination. These kids were running through the wall to get to this special train. And I'm like, I must know more. That moment is what caused me as a grown man to pick up Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, the book, and then the next one, and then the next one, and just devour those things, you know, to the point that I was waiting on seven to come out. And, and then you um, started ordering birdie bots every flavored beans no, online. No, see, no, no, see, I hadn't, no, I hadn't chocolate got, frogs. No, I hadn't got into it like that. But, <laughs> but I just really appreciate the storytelling. And for the most part, I don't know that any other of the movies outside of maybe the seventh two, you know, the seventh and eighth one, the 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 last one, the two parts, really captured any of the books the way that this one and maybe the second one did. Um, I thought the Prisoner of Azkaban. Really yeah, did. I guess so. I guess maybe I, I, the fourth one really was a disappointment to me because I really liked that book. And um, but uh, well, well, listen, any of you guys out there, please feel free to send Steve some every flavored beans, some eh, chocolate frogs. No, I don't need any of that mess. He does. He does. He'll appreciate it. I will appreciate it. But I won't eat those every flavored beans because I'm scared of what might go in my mouth. So. <laughs> You'll get the pooping in a cemetery. Yeah. Bean. yeah, I don't need any of that. Check out uh, Rebel Yell. Check out Rebel about. Yell for that reference, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, you'll want you'll want to hear Adam Bray talk about pooping in a cemetery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> back to back. All right, <laughs> all right. We got one more anniversary movie. Actually, here. I've got one to add to it once we get past this one. Okay, uh, ten years ago, November two thousand six. I actually just watched part of this the other day. Gosh, what a good movie! Uh, Casino Royale. Yeah. Yeah, the this, uh, the the Bond movie, the uh, the the soft Bond reboot in a way. Um, yeah, it this this revolutionized the Bond franchise. We've never really talked Bond, Irish. Um, we have. Have we? we we've talked. Yeah, because we've talked about it in terms of that, like the Mission Impossible and Fast and Furious That's right. movies That's are right. doing what Bond movies used to do. Now. Sure, exactly. That's right. We that have, they're out-bonding Bond. They have been. and um, But this movie was something... 
for better or for worse, man, it it reintroduced Bond in a whole different way that people just glommed onto in 2006. And I can't blame them. I really like this movie. There's some good stuff in it. What what was interesting to me is, I mean, number one, the bad guy in the movie is played by Mads Mikkelsen. Yes. Who, if you don't know who he is, you're going to know who he is by the end of the year because he's only the bad guy in Doctor Strange right now. And Mm -hmm. he's just got kind of an important role in a little movie called Rogue One coming out in a month. Um, So it's got him in it, and it's also got Ava Green in it, who... You know, a lot of times, at least in previous years, the the women who played like the Bond girls in these films didn't necessarily go on to do big things. I mean, there's been some exceptions. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, she's certainly an actress who's had a, a huge career yep. since this movie and been in a ton of stuff. Um, she's in a she's in a picture right now. The um, the 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 Tim Burton movie that's out right now. Um, I can't think of the name of it. You've got me. You've lost me. I don't know. It's uh, a re- it's an adaptation of a YA series of books, like um, the this house where like all these kids. Oh, would, like, the Peregrine's weird, house, Miss Peregrine's. Mrs. Home for, Peregrine. Yeah. yeah. Is that out now? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's in theaters. Completely right missed it. Yeah, I think it came out in late October. Yeah, not hurting my feelings. And supposedly, I didn't... it's really scary. Well, we did the like book. It, it's cre- it's creeping kids out. Oh, good. Well, we did the book for the book club, and I just wasn't too taken with it. So okay. Well, uh, she's in that right yeah. now. So. Okay, cool. All I, right, what do you got? Uh, five years ago, two thousand eleven, uh, Muppets were reintroduced. They they rebooted the Muppets on us in a way, um, with uh, with Jason Siegel and Amy Adams, and uh, I love. I really dug that. That first Muppet. It was good. Yeah. It, it had heart. Yes. Yeah. It. I, I feel like Muppets Most Wanted kind of lacked the heart that Muppets had, but yeah. Um. But I dug Muppets in a big bad way. And um. Did you watch the reboot of the Muppet Show? Yes. That was on ABC last year. Uh, I yeah. I liked it. I liked it. Uh, I liked that it was kind of edgy. Yeah, they, I feel like, though, they got off on the wrong foot because the, the Muppets have always been, if you go back and watch the old Muppet show, they've always had a little bit of an edge to them. Yeah, but they've this always was been a little, a little bit, bit more of an edge. This was a little bit more of an edge. A little edge. bit sharper. It was a little sharper, but without the heart for the first little bit. And yeah. I think if the... But what... Midway through... They kind of figured out what they were missing, and they started to put that back in there. And when they did that, the show for me got a lot better because they maintained that edge, but they also had the heart. And I love my favorite moment of that whole thing. Well, I have two favorite moments from that. Is one, the Swedish chef doing Rapper's Delight at karaoke. Yeah. <laughs> and then two, when Kermit builds the swamp in his backyard, and he's sitting out the back at the end of the sh- episode, and he's playing Rainbow Connection, and someone's like... Quiet down and Phil's and Kermit's like Shh, stuff it, Phil, and <laughs> because I'm like, oh, they found it, they found it. So, um, so yeah, so it worked out. I I don't know. I, I hate that they're not, you know, that they got canceled, but I feel like they stepped off a little too much at, at, early on. Um, well, I think it was a bit of a misstep too to have Kermit and Miss Piggy broken up. Yeah, I, I just yeah. I. I they're just so synonymous together that 
I think that that was kind of off-putting right away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's like wait. Kermit and Miss. How can you not have? Well, Kermit but they also did some stuff. I mean, like some of the some of the stuff with like Fozzie and his girlfriend was kind of weird, and yeah, you know, and and it's just like they. they I wish they'd had more time because once they found their footing, like I say, I think it was only going to get better, and yep. and I think that had they been given another season, it would have really been something really cool and special. But you know what? It is what it is. I love the Muppets. You know, I love the Muppets. So. Yeah. Uh well dude that that's it man that's what we got That's it. Yeah, so um that's uh, November. I didn't realize how much good stuff we had especially in the uh in the anniversary stuff, man. Like just about every single I, I, I'm going to go back and watch Time Bandits. I am going to watch that. I've been convinced by you and the Techno Retro Dads that I've got to watch Time Bandits, but just looking at this list with the exception of 96, like you could almost do an episode on Every single one of these movies mentioned, you could do a whole Geek Out Loud episode on. Yeah. So, and we've done a. Well, Beauty and the Beast was the one we were doing, Eris. That was the that was the episode we did the night the tickets went on sale for um, Force Awakens. Oh, oh, was it? Yeah. Uh, the halftime trailer and yeah. tickets on sale. Yeah. When are tickets going on sale for Rogue One? I have not heard. Doesn't look like they're going to do early sales necessarily. I thought we might get an announcement on uh, the Star Wars show this week, but didn't happen. No. So well, we want to buy our Rogue One tickets already. <laughs> <laughs> I already took the two days off from work. <laughs> I did. Uh, the whole company isn't shutting down for those two days. No. Okay. Well, no. they should. Some of us will will be out. I hear you. But uh, well, that that's it. Eris, I always enjoy doing this with you, man. I have a blast. Thank yeah. you for staying up late and rocking so do I, tonight. Erish is can be found online at Darth underscore Duff on Twitter. Of course, you can follow at Geek Out Loud at the Goliverse. So the entire Goliverse is at Goliverse. I'm at Steve Glosson. Would love to hear some emails from you at geekoutonline at gmail.com, geekoutonline at gmail.com. Don't forget to do your, uh, if you're doing any online shopping, um, in like on Amazon, if you've got a geek in your life, you do Think Geek, Entertainment Earth, if you're a collector, it's a great place to go. We have links to all those places at geekoutonline.com and geekoutpodcast.com. You can support the shows that way. And, of course, uh, if you want to support the shows directly, you can do so uh, at patreon.com slash geekoutloud. And we appreciate everyone who supports the shows. Uh, you guys help have been us great. Out. Yeah, help, help us out. Help us out. And, it, hey, if you, do me a favor. If you have gone to Entertainment Earth or Think Geek through the links and you've ordered something, um, let me know about it because uh, I need to make sure that stuff's going through. I can see where people are clicking through, but I, I feel like no one's buying anything. And you got to buy for it to account. But, anyhow... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's it for us. Facebook.com slash geek out loud. Erish, once again, thank you, my friend. Can't wait to hang Wait, out. I gotta plug Mile High Tundra. Oh yeah, Mile High if, Tundra. If you're a football fan or like Broncos Packers, I do a weekly show with my good buddy Joe Scalora. We talk a lot of Broncos and Packers and we have a biased view on the rest of the league. Mile High Tundra. We're proud to be part of the Goliverse family. Check us out. And the Goliverse family is proud to have you. So, um, yeah, so check that out. You can find it over at geekoutpodcast.com along with the rest of the, uh, along with the, rest of the ep- Goliverse shows. New episodes usually go live Thursday or Friday. That's right. Well, I try to get them out by Thursday. Um, what has happened? Oh, my Lanta. I've screwed everything up. Bam!
Oh man, screwed everything up then. Yeah, they. I try to get them out by Thursday, um, and unless I'm out of town or something. A lot of times, that's the only thing that. Keeps or unless we don't get them to you until like Friday. But that's true. Well, that that seldom happens. <laughs> Usually, you guys are on top of things. So, you guys are more on top of things than I am. All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. Until next time, for Air Sharon Advice, I'm Steve Glosson. We'll see you on the next Geek Out Loud. Have a good one, everybody. Peace. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Are you playing the Rebel Yell exit music on Geek Out Loud? I am because I didn't have anything else queued up. I love that version, though. I love the... I've, I've, I've gone to kind of doing the whole yub-nub thing, either one version or the other for, all, for, for the Geek Out Loud and the Rebel Yell.